all throughout my history. Your faithfulness has walked beside me. The winter storms make way for spring. In every season, from where I'm standing, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see the promises of fulfillment all over my So good to see you this morning as we come together to worship at St. John. I'm Pastor Jet, one of the pastors here, and we are so glad that you've come to spend time with the Lord, to exalt Him, and to sing praise to Him this morning. His evidence is all over the place of His love and His grace and His renewal. Let's stand together this morning as we lift up our voice and sing praise in the house of the Lord.
hearts full of joy and praise and gratitude today for we have a God who is a deliverer from wherever you've come this morning maybe you need a new beginning and a fresh touch from the Lord he's come to lead you into a brand new day as we give praise to him for his hope and his grace let's sing as we celebrate
seated. Man, it is great to have you worshiping with us, whether you're joining us online here in person. We are glad you're here. I'm John, uh, one of the pastors on staff. I'm real thankful for music. I think what a great gift that God provides in music, and then people who can play music well, people who can make it sound well and project it well on the screen so we can sing along. What a wonderful gift, and we are so glad that you're here to worship our God. We want you to know about Jesus today, because Jesus changes lives, and he still does so, and we would love to help you get to know Jesus. We would love to connect with you, and we found the easiest way to do that. There are cards right there in front of you, or even easier is to pull out your phone and text the word CONNECT to 833-440-0137. You'll get a link. You can click on that link and share as much uh, information as you feel comfortable doing, and that'll begin a dialogue and a relationship between us and you, and we'd love to get to know you a little bit more. And every single time that a first person connects with us, we donate $10 to the Mansfield Mission Center. They're a great organization in our community. We have a number of people who volunteer over there and serve, and so we'd love to support them, and that's a great way. So if that will encourage you to connect with us, great. We also got a free gift for you, and so if you're here for the first time, please go by our connection counter and get a whole bag full of free stuff. If you're watching online, you connect with us for the first time, give us your uh, address, and we'll send all that free stuff right to you. We are so glad that you are here, and if you'd like to know a little bit more about St. John, this is a great time to do it, because next week, we've got a step one experience. It's just one hour long. At 9.30 next week, you can sign up by texting the word step one to that same number, 833-440-0137. We do that about every five or six weeks so we can have a small group. And I love spending time with just some people who really want to get to know Jesus and our church a little bit more. So we look forward to having that opportunity. And if you're really looking to get involved and connected, we got a great opportunity for you. We've got some mission trips coming up this summer. One is to Alaska to go to some of the remote villages in Alaska, and the other one is down in Belize to go down there into the communities there and, and just share God's love with those people. Now, if you get our email address, if you've connected with us before and you get our weekly email, some of you have already signed up. In fact, the Alaska trip is filling up fast, and Belize is already um, starting to fill up. So if you're interested in going, please don't wait much longer, because there won't be an opportunity for for you to go if you wait too much longer. So you can simply text the word missions with an S, M-I-S-S-I-O-N-S, to 833-440-0137, or on the back of your worship folder, there's a QR code. You can click on that so you can get more information about that and express an interest and find out more information about how to register. So just out of uh, curiosity, how many of you are the grocery shoppers for your household? How many of you go to the grocery store and do that? All right, uh, I go occasionally. My wife does a lot uh, of that, but I like going occasionally. Usually it's for stuff that I want um, and nobody else really cares about, so I'll go myself sometimes. And then I, I always find myself going by the checkout line where they've got all the tabloids, you know, that section right there, and I almost want to avoid my eyes because I look at that and inevitably there's somebody, some actor or actress that's fallen from grace, and a lot of times there are people like I admired or I looked up to, and I'm like, oh, I really like the work that they do, and then I found out they said or did something stupid or insensitive, and, and now it's all over the tabloids. And I walk by those a lot, and I feel like I've got to wash my hands sometimes. I feel dirty walking past that. And, and as I was going through that one day, and I'm finished checking out, I'm going to my car. It's like when God sort of whispers something to you, I try to pay attention to that. And, and he, he said, you know what the difference is between um, what really acting is? Acting is really the difference between who you are and who others think you are. I thought, 
oh, that will preach. And so I wrote that one down in my phone, and I thought, I gotta remember that one because um, it's not just actors and famous people um, who have this problem. Boy, the church has this problem. There's a lot of pastors that have fallen, a lot of church leaders that have fallen because who they think they are and who others or think they are and who they really are, um, there's a vast chasm between that. The writer to Proverbs uh, wrote this uh, about this dichotomy between it. He says this in uh, Proverbs chapter 10, whoever walks in integrity, (laughs) that means there's really no gap between this, who you are and others think you are and who you are, there's no gap, that's integrity. Those who walk in integrity walk securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. In our world of social media and cameras everywhere, um, we will be found out. That's just the way things go nowadays. So how are we to live. Well, James had this beautiful uh, passage that he wrote. The brother of Jesus said this. He said, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Now, we don't think of law and freedom going hand in hand, but they do, and we're going to be talking about that. The perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. And so what James and what Jesus invites us into is to really close that gap. So what I wanna invite you to do for just a moment is take a look at who you are, who others think you are, and just look at the distance between those for just a minute. you in on a little secret if you haven't figured this out already. Uh, There's always going to be a gap between who you are and who others think you are. None of us get this perfect. And so what do you do to fill in that gap? Well, you can try to cover the gap, I suppose, or pretend it doesn't exist. You could ignore the gap, um, or you can fill it in with Jesus and allow Jesus to speak into that and begin to close that gap more and more and more so that who you are and who others think you are are really the same person. It's a wonderful gift that God gives to Jesus' followers. He he forgives us. We don't have to run and hide from the Father. Uh, We get to do just the opposite. We get to run to the Father because of Jesus and because of his death and his resurrection. Uh, We know we have open arms waiting for us. And so I want to invite you this morning, would you just run to the Father and embrace him. Don't worry about your guilt. Don't worry about the gap between those. Just run to the Father and embrace him and let him speak and transform your life. So let's stand and let's run to the Father together.
to let it all go and I see it now I'm laying it down and I know that I need you I run to the Father I fall into grace I'm done with the hiding no reason to wait my heart needs a surgeon my soul needs a friend so I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, oh, oh. You saw my condition, had a plan from the start. Your son for redemption. For my heart, I don't have a context for that kind of love. I don't understand, I can't comprehend. All I know is I need you. I run to the Father, I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend So I run to the Father again and again and again and again Oh, 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 and again and again Oh, 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 my heart has been Today's scripture reading is Numbers chapter 35, verses 9 through 15. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into Canaan, select some towns to be your cities of refuge, to which a person who has killed someone accidentally may flee. They will be places of refuge from the avenger, so that anyone accused of murder may not die before they stand trial before the assembly. These six towns you give will be your cities of refuge. Give three on the side of Jordan and three in Canaan as cities of refuge. These six towns will be a place of refuge for Israelites and for foreigners residing among them, so that anyone who has killed another accidentally can flee there. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So take a look around. What do you have that God hasn't given you? Every heartbeat, every breath, every good and perfect gift comes from Him. He is the ultimate giver. He literally gives us gifts that we can't comprehend. Think about this. There are more electrical impulses generated in one day by a single human brain cell than by all the telephones in the world. Or how about the fact that food tastes delicious? It didn't have to taste delicious. It could have all tasted like kale. But no, it's fantastic. We plan our day around good tasting food. God gave us this. And then there's our health. We're not healthy because we deserve it. We didn't jump in a 55 gallon drum of yogurt and spinach. Our health is a gift, a gift that is too often taken for granted. God has always given to me knowing that he would get little in return. He is a father that enjoys giving good gifts to his children. I've heard it said that it's possible to give without loving, but you can never love without giving. And that is his example. For God so loved the world that he gave. God, I thank you that you provide. But from the foundation of the world, you had a plan to send Jesus into the world to die in our place, that we would be set free and forgiven. Thank you for providing. Lord, thank you, even when we're ungrateful, you still provide uh, because you are good. And I pray today, would you provide your wisdom and insight that we would hear exactly what we need to hear today, that the name of Jesus would be resonating in our hearts and souls and transform the way we live. Lord, I ask it in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus, in whose name I pray, amen. Uh, Some of you know when I started my ministry a long, long, long time ago, I I did a lot of student ministry, and we do trips, because just getting people out of the environment, there's something that changes when you get people into a different environment. And we'd do some mission trips and some camp trips, and then we'd do just some fun trips. But even on these fun trips, I wanted kids to learn something from that, not just from the Bible study, but something about life. And so every once in a while on these fun trips, whether it was a ski trip or going somewhere on a beach, we'd we'd get these condos that we'd rent, and we'd put kids in a room, and I would say, "Um, you're going to need now to go grocery shopping, and here's your budget, so you've got to plan out your meals. And this is one time. We're not going to the grocery store eight times, one time. And so this is it. So plan well, and you got to stick within your budget. And so they'd all work hard and like, oh, wow, I didn't know it's this complicated to go to a grocery store. I'm like, yeah, welcome to adulting. This is what adults do with their life. They plan things in advance and think about how much money they have to spend. And so on one of these trips, I found um, when I first started ministry, I had a whole list of rules that I wanted everybody to follow. And then I was miserable because then I was just the policeman running around uh, enforcing rules all the time, trying to remember 
what rules I told them about, which ones I forgot to tell them about. And so I, I really whittled that down. I said, what are the really three most important rules that I just want them to follow? And so number one was um, be where we say we're going to be on time every time. That was rule number one. Rule number two was there are no boys in the girls' rooms and no girls in the boys' rooms unless there's another adult present. And rule number three was don't put any dish soap in the dishwasher. There's a reason for that rule, as you could well imagine. Inevitably, almost every single year, somebody would do it. And one year, it happened to be this uh, freshman girls that were in this cabin, all sweet, innocent. And I went to knock on their door uh, right before uh, sort of bedtime just to check on everybody and make sure everybody's in their rooms. And, and they just barely cracked the thing. Oh, hi, Pastor. Everything's fine here. We're all going to go to bed now. Good night. And they're pushing the door. I'm like... That doesn't sound quite right. And so I just sort of peer in, is everything all right? And I sort of look in the door and I can see right off to the left-hand side, the kitchenette that is full of soap coming out the dishwasher onto the floor. Like, we're cleaning it up. We're so sorry. I'm like, you only had three rules. Like, that's one rule of three. Like, that's, I don't have many rules. That was it. Why? Like, oh, we ran out of the dishwasher detergent. So we just thought we could put some in there. And, uh... <sighs> rules. I don't know how you feel uh, about rules. Um, rules, you know, are good, but uh, when we think of rules, especially if you've grown up in the church at all, you think of rules, you're probably thinking of the Ten Commandments, right? Moses coming down from the mountain with the tablets. That's probably what you're thinking of with that. And, and rules necessarily aren't a bad thing. That could you imagine what the world would be like if there were no universal rules and everybody just did whatever they thought was right and the thing to do? Well, we're not too far removed from that at all, where people just want to do whatever they want. So what do we do then with God's words, with God's law, with God's commandments? What do we do with these things that God has given to us? Because the law itself is a gift that God provides. Like, I don't really think I like the law. I don't think I want that to be one of the gifts. I like the other gifts. I like grace. Grace is a great gift. Love is a gift. How about things? I like when God gives things. That's a great gift. But I'm not sure the law is one of those things I really want to gravitate to. What I want to do uh, with you today a little bit is maybe paint a little bit different picture for you on the law and what it entails because the law comes uh, first recorded in Exodus chapter 20, and, and the words that are actually spoken there are interesting, because I learned them as commandments, like thou shalt not, you better not slap your wrist kind of thing. That's the way I was taught them growing up. But you read Exodus 20, and it says this, and God spoke all these words, debar in Hebrew. God spoke all these words. He didn't speak all these commandments. We call them commandments. He spoke these words to the people. And what he was laying out for them in Exodus chapter 20 was here's a better way to live. Here's my covenant. Would you choose to follow me? And if you do these things, you're choosing to follow me. If you don't, you're choosing not to follow me. And he lays out for them these words. Gives a little different twist than commands. If you could look at him a little bit differently, like even the first one, you shall have no other gods before me. Could you imagine what it would be like? And I imagine most of you, the reason you're here today or you're watching is because you want to be closer to God. Could you imagine if nothing got in the way of your relationship with God? 
that you had such an intimacy with him. It's almost like you could see him and touch him and, and feel him, that he was right there leading, guiding, and directing your life. You're like, yeah, that would be incredible. Of course it would. This is what God wants to do. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Could you imagine what it would be like to have a day that you just dedicate to doing nothing? It's just rest and reflection and rest, remembering that God provides everything for you. Oh, wouldn't that be nice to have that to look forward to every single week instead of living 24-7 the way we do in our world today? Or how about coveting? Wouldn't it be nice to be perfectly content with, with your intellect and with your athletic prowess and, and with everything uh, about you, that you're not busy comparing yourself with everybody else? Oh, that would be incredibly freeing. Of course it would. And this is what God lays out for us in his words that he spoke, his covenant to his people. He provided for them a picture of what it looks like. But if you know the story, if you've grown up in church, they rejected it time and time again. Like, I know that's what you said to do, but we want to grumble and we want to complain. We want to do our own thing. We want to go back to Egypt. We don't like it here. And they're constantly whining and complaining, choosing to reject God's covenant. And so what should have been about a 40-day walk from Egypt to the promised land was a 40-year journey through the wilderness. Why? Because God gives makeup exams. And God says, you're gonna learn. You wanna follow my covenant, I'm gonna keep laying this before you in, until you follow me. And time and time again, they rejected it. So it's 40 years. And 40 different, at least 40 different camps so over one million people are traveling in the wilderness and they pick up camp, go to the next camp, stop there. Another camp, pick up. And I can't fathom what that must have been like. But this is what they do because they rejected the covenant. So let me ask you this question. Was, was the law bad then or were they bad? We'd say, oh, well, no, they're bad, of course, because they grumbled, they complained, they should have known better and they're bad. And, and before you're too quick to answer that question, let me maybe pose it a little different way. When you think about the law and you look at God's law and you realize you don't measure up, what do you do in that moment? Well, I'll lower the expectations, right? That's an easy thing to do because then I can meet the expectation. The expectations are too high. Let's lower the expectations. Now, I worked really hard to find this picture and I don't know where it disappeared to, um, but I didn't want to waste any more time looking for this. But somewhere in the archives in my house is a picture of me dunking a basketball. It is a great Great picture. You're just going to have to use your imagination uh, with me, if you would. I mean, it is King James-esque kind of thing, where it's just like this over the rim, throwing it down with this intense look on my face. It is impressive to look at. I was dying to find it. I just couldn't. It's taken from about waist up, which is good, because if you could see the whole body, you'd see I'm about this far off the floor um, with that, because I'm 5'8", and I don't have a great vertical jump from that standpoint. And you're like, well, how did you dunk on a 10-foot high basketball rim? I didn't dunk on a 10-foot high basketball. We lowered it to six foot. That's what we did. And I can dunk on a six foot rim. That's easy for me to do. I can't do it on a 10-foot rim. You're like, well, you're not really dunking a basketball. But yet that's what we do with God's word. We'll take it and go, well, I can't really measure up to that. Let me just lower it down here where I can slam dunk it and I can feel good about myself. So wait a minute, is the law good or am I? Which one's bad? And we have a tendency to lower our expectations over and over. 
And it's really the law of God, these commands, these words of God that show us that we need a savior because I can't do it. And instead of lowering the expectations, we should keep them where God put them because it reminds us, I can't do it. I need a redeemer. I need a savior. I need help. And this is what God invites us into because really what we deserve are all the punishments that come along with us. That's what the Israelites wandering the wilderness deserve. They didn't deserve for God to keep them alive and take them to the promised land. They deserve nothing but the curses because they chose to reject God's covenant. We deserve the same thing. But fortunately, God is long-suffering. And God is incredibly patient. And how do we know this? Well, because this is the way God describes himself. We go back, if you've been reading your Bible with us, if you remember this verse from Exodus, this is one good Jews have memorized, Exodus 34, as he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, long of nostril, (laughs) abounding in love and faithfulness. And it's a good thing God is slow to anger because if he was quick-tempered, none of us would be here today because none of us measure up to God's law. And so why is God long-suffering? Why is he abounding in love and faithfulness? Because he knows we'll make mistakes. He knew the Israelites were gonna make mistakes. He knows I'm gonna make mistakes. He knows you're gonna make mistakes. This is why he's long-suffering. And so our text that Emma just read for us a moment ago, if you're reading through the Bible with us, you're gonna get to it on Saturday. Um, but I, I couldn't really pass up the opportunity to talk about it because I, I, I love the picture that it gives. They're called cities of refuge. And these cities of refuge uh, were gonna be three on each side of the Jordan. I got a map of this so you can get a picture, a visual picture of it. Um, three on each side of the Jordan River and there's the Dead Sea down there. And those red circles are about a day's journey. So about anywhere you were in that Holy Land, you're about one day's journey away from one of the cities of refuge. What were the cities of refuge for? Well, in case you accidentally killed somebody, there would be an avenger, a gaal, a a redeemer that would come after you. And that would be one of the family members of somebody you killed. And they would kill you because it was an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. And, And so if you think you killed somebody innocently, you could flee to one of these six cities of refuge. And in that city of refuge, you would be safe. Um, from the Redeemer. And I love the picture of these cities of of refuge. And you're like, well, I don't plan on killing anybody. I'm not traveling over there to get to a city of refuge. I don't think I really need a city of refuge. So let me ask you a a different question. When you make a mistake, when, when you stumble, when you fall, where do you go for refuge? Where Where do you go for refuge? I imagine some of you might uh, go, because this I know is a popular one, you go to excuses, that's where you go. It's not my fault. I mean, it's not, they caused me. It, they pushed my buttons. They, they caused me to, to react that way. It's really their fault, uh, really. Or did they just bring out something that was already inside of you <laughs> to begin with? Or, or maybe you go to anger. Maybe that's your default. Maybe that's your refuge. So when, when somebody, uh, when you are, do wrong, uh, you take it out on somebody else for mistakes that you've made. 
Yeah, I think of Jesus in the parable. We talked about the, the man who owed you know, millions of dollars to this landowner. He's like, you know, pay it back. I can't. And he begs for mercy and they forgive the debt. And he, so he walks away, a million dollars worth of debt just erased off the thing. And he goes and finds a man who owes him a few dollars and he's choking him. You gotta pay me. I, I can't. Just give me some time. Be patient with me. No. And he throws him into prison until he can pay. It's like maybe that's your reaction. Maybe that's your refuge uh, of just going to, to anger. Maybe it's isolation. Maybe when you make a mistake, you're so filled with shame and regret and hurt, you go lock yourself in a room and you isolate yourself. Maybe that's your, your refuge place that you go. Or maybe it's to some substance or some addiction that temporarily takes the sting away from that. And so you run to that. That is your refuge. Or maybe you run to a friend that'll tell you what you want to hear. Oh, it's really not big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. You're okay. Everybody does it. Don't worry about it. And it'll tell you what you want to hear. Where do you go for refuge? I don't know if I could do what Moses did. For those of you who've been reading along with us, I, I get really depressed thinking about Moses and what he went through. I, I wondered where he went for refuge. What a, what a struggle that was to, to be leading millions of people through the wilderness, people who are rebelling constantly, who are complaining and grumbling. We want to go back to Egypt. You don't know what you're doing. Why are you the leader, Moses? And he's constantly coming before God for these people to God be patient with them. And 40 years he does this. And, and near the end of his life, now this is spoiler alert for those of you who like to read and, and go, and I don't want to skip ahead, um, just tune me out for just a second, um, and, and I'll forgive you for that. But in Deuteronomy chapter 31, I want to skip to the end of Moses' life because God has this very interesting conversation with him. Verse 16, and the Lord said to Moses, you are going to rest with your ancestors, and these people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land they are entering. They will forsake me and break the covenant that I make with them. And in that day, I will become angry with them and forsake them. I will hide my face from them and they will be destroyed. Many disasters and calamities will come on them. And in that day, they will ask, have not these disasters come on us because our God is not with us? And I will certainly hide my face in that day because of all their wickedness in turning to other gods. I'm sure those were comforting words for Moses to hear at the end of his life. Really, God? So basically, these 40 years that I've been leading these people through the wilderness is all gonna come to nothing because they're all gonna turn away and rebel against you and you're gonna annihilate them. Wow, I'm glad I went through this whole experience for 40 years. <laughs> and the more I thought about Moses, um, I, I thought, you know what? I'm no better than these people, these stubborn people that he's leading that constantly are refusing to listen to God's covenant and choosing their own path. And, and you're really no better than these people either. And collectively, we're no better. All of us deserve the, the wrath of God. We, we all, frankly, need a city of refuge that, that we could just run to in, in our brokenness and our shame and our regret, uh, our mistakes, our failures, our rebellion against God. We all need a city of refuge where we can run to. And, and Isaiah, some 700 years before Jesus would come, would point to that refuge and how that would come. Take a look at I, Isaiah. He says this in chapter 41, for I am the Lord your God who takes a hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Do not be afraid, 
you worm Jacob, you little Israel. Do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your redeemer, your Gaal, your avenger, the Holy One of Israel. Except this redeemer is not coming to take our life eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. This redeemer is coming to protect our life and to lay down his life. This is what Jesus does when he says, I am the redeemer. And so boy, when you begin to understand the incredible love and mercy and grace of God, that he would send his son to die in your place so that you could be forgiven, even when we rebelled against God's law, his perfect law that brings freedom, even when we rebel against that, God says, I, I forgive you. But I've, I keep doing the same, I forgive you. It's already been paid for. Jesus was enough to cover every one of your sins. So, man, if that, if that is, is true, that we are saved by grace through faith, we don't deserve it, haven't earned it, then, then why do we have a tendency to live in, in such a legalistic kind of way? Why do, we, why do we just follow and become very legalistic in our approach to following Jesus? This is a big problem in the church today, and I just want to close by maybe giving you three things to, to think about. And the first one is this. Well, I want grace for us, but I want law for others. In other words, when you make a mistake, you're like, well, you know what? I know my intentions. I didn't really mean to do that. That's not really who I am. I had a bad day. It was blah, blah. We make all kinds of excuses for that. But when it comes to other people and we see somebody else doing something, oh no, hit them with the law. <laughs> Man, we want the truth to get them across the face. This is what we want. We wanna, we wanna be like Jesus, full of grace and truth. The problem is it looks more like this, just a little tiny little bit of grace and a whole lot of truth. That's what we want to project to people. And what we need to be projecting to people is what we need. We need a lot of grace and we need a lot of truth. We need both of those things. Another reason I think we have a tendency to move toward legalism and sort of forget about the grace of God is somehow in the back of our minds, we think we deserve it. Well, after all, I'm, I'm here, right? I'm, I'm watching on Sunday. I came on Sunday morning. I got dressed up. I, I, I'm here all the time. I'm a, I'm a good person. Certainly, I deserve it. And as I thought about that for myself, I thought about the cross and I thought about the thieves on the cross where one of them is screaming, hey, why don't you save yourself and save us while you're at it, Jesus? If you're really the son of God, come down from the cross. And the other thief on the cross turns to him. He says, hey, don't you fear God? We're getting what we deserve. We deserve to be hanging from a cross. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he got it in a way I think most of us just forget about. Somehow in our back of our mind, we think we deserve it. Oh, we don't deserve grace. Because if you deserve grace, it's no longer grace because it's not a gift anymore. It's something you earned. But grace is a gift. God says, I, I give it to you. Faith is a gift. I give it to you. None of us deserve it. So why else do we have a tendency to become very legalistic? Well, we, we drift toward legalism because frankly, grace seems foolish because it doesn't make sense. If you were gonna make up a religion or if I'm gonna make up a religion, the first thing I'm gonna do is tell you what you have to do. That makes sense. You've gotta come every week. You can't miss a single week. You can't miss, or you gotta come twice next week. Uh, you've gotta give more money. You've gotta get more involved. You gotta say more prayers. You gotta do more Bible. You gotta memorize more verses, blah, 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 blah. And we could have a whole plethora of things that we lay out of what you have to do. That would make sense. But what God says is you don't have to do anything. I'll take care of everything. 
And it seems foolish when you think about it. God, why would you do that? Why don't you demand something from us? I don't demand anything from you. I want everything for you. That's why I gave you my law. (laughs) I gave you a better way to live, that by following this, this is better than following the world's way. I know you're gonna have a tendency to drift toward that, and all of us drift away. Nobody drifts toward God. Everybody drifts away. We never drift toward anything good. We drift toward everything that's bad. None of you who have a good financial portfolio, you know, have a good emergency fund, so if something happens, you've got cash uh, that can take care of that. You can absorb that. You don't have to worry uh, about where your next meal is coming from because you've, you've budgeted well. You've got a retirement fund. I've never met anybody who's done all of that. And like, how did that happen? Oh, I don't know. It just, it just appeared. I, I never thought about it at all. No, you've worked hard and you sacrificed to get that. Never met anybody in shape and, and asked them, how'd you get in shape? Well, I, I don't know. It just sort of happened. It just, this is the way I am. I can run miles and I can exercise and I, I never eat well. And I, I just happened that way. No, they sacrificed and they worked hard to get there. And this is what God reminds us to. We're not going to drift toward him. Uh, We're going to drift away from him. And God holds out his law, not to shame us, but to show us we need a redeemer. We need a savior. We need a city of refuge that we can run to when, not if, when we make mistakes over and over and over again. So where do you run? You run to the Father? And every time I, I drive uh, into Mansfield from my house and come here to church, I, I pass uh, this sign entering Mansfield. And I tell you, as I was putting this message together and I passed that sign, I, I just thought, I'm like, I live in a city of refuge. Not that Mansfield is a city of refuge, but I, I live. And if Jesus lives in you, you are a city of refuge. Wherever you are, you are a city of refuge. Because you don't have to run anywhere because God has already forgiven you. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you have forgiveness and you have life and what an incredible gift that is. And so what I hope and what I pray is every time you pass entering whatever city you happen to be entering, maybe just pause for a moment and go, oh, thank you, God, that I live in a city of refuge, that I don't have to earn your love or your favor. You just give it as a gift to me. Thank you, God, for your law. Thank you for your grace. And if you believe that God is still leading people like he did in the wilderness for 40 years, if you believe in a God that's still active and involved in the world today, and I'm gonna invite you to join with me and with Christians all over the world today as we'll use the words today of the Nicene Creed. So let's stand and profess our faith together as together we declare, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead. His kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, 
who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Oh, we believe in the power of prayer, and we'd love to pray for you, and we'd love to pray with you. And whenever you have a prayer concern, uh, we just invite you to, to text the word PRAY to 833-440-0137, and you can leave your prayer request there or give us a contact information. We'd love to pray with you in person. And so just know we love and believe in the power of prayer here. Uh, this last Thursday and Friday, we had some teachers from um, uh, Timber Creek um, High School that were here on a little in-service uh, day for them. It was great to be able to pray uh, over them and, and with them here. And I told them we'd pray here. And as I was preparing just a little devotional and a prayer for them, uh, I found a statistic um, from teachers in the state of Texas uh, that just came out two weeks ago. It said uh, over two-thirds of them have considered leaving the teaching profession just with the stress that they're going under. So, uh, boy, they need our prayers too. And so we'll pray uh, for them too as well as what's going on in the world. So join me for a moment to, uh, to pray. Oh, God, how I thank you for Jesus, that that was your plan from the creation of the world to send Jesus into the world, that he would be our redeemer, our city of refuge that we can flee to when we stumble and when we fall, when we make mistakes, when we are disobedient, when we sin. So Lord, thank you for Jesus. I, I pray, help us to get a hold of his grace and live in such a way that reflects uh, your love for us and for your creation. Lord, thank you for the gift of teachers. Lord, as so many are experiencing burnout and stress and are just tired and weary, Lord, I pray, would you lift them up? Would you strengthen them and remind them why they began to teach in the first place, that they love kids and they want kids uh, to learn and to grow. And so, Lord, I pray, would you pour out your spirit on them that they would be able to finish this year well? So Lord, I pray for the mess around the world, certainly in Ukraine and what's going on there at the border with Russia. Lord, I pray that you would step into that mess and let cooler heads prevail and let your peace rest there as well. Lord, give us the courage to step in to situations uh, around us so that we can bring Jesus and bring peace and hope into broken lives and into broken situations. And so, Lord, thank you for all that you provide for us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his meal that we're about to partake in. Lord, prepare our hearts now to receive it. And Lord, forever we wanna ask of you today, would you hear the cries of our heart as we unite our voices and pray together as Jesus taught his disciples to pray when he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. When a few weeks we embark on a season called Lent as we prepare um, to remember Jesus' death and his resurrection uh, from Good Friday to Easter. And so it begins on Ash Wednesday in a few weeks. And one of the things we're going to be doing, um, we're going to continue our tradition um, to teach the significance of this meal 
And so we wanna invite all of you, it changes every year. So if you're like, I went last year, come again this year, because it's different this year. And it's a four-week class, Wednesday night, 6.30 to 7.30 uh, in our youth room starting March the 9th. And you can simply text the word communion to 833-440-0137 so we know how many um, folders to prepare and how, how many tables to set up and all that. I'll guarantee you, it'll open up your eyes to see this incredible gift in different ways. I'm still learning the significance of this. And so we invite you to join. It's a intergenerational. It'd be a great experience. So I invite you to come and be a part of that. And so remember what Jesus did when he met in the upper room with his disciples, when he took a loaf of bread and giving thanks to his father in heaven, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And this morning, if you're a disciple of Jesus, he gives it to you and says, take and eat for this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then following supper, he took a cup of wine, again, giving thanks to his father in heaven, said, now drink of this, all of you, for this is my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Do this and do this often in remembrance of me. So we're gonna come to the table that's been prepared for you. The ushers will help you come down the side aisle here and you'll receive uh, the body of Christ, the bread, and you'll receive the blood of Christ, the wine. Uh, You can pick that up on the table and then there's a little basket here in the middle and then uh, to go back to your seat. So let's celebrate this meal. It's a gift of God that God provides for us. So I invite you to come to the table. It's been prepared for you. Please be seated. Oh 
sing together in my life. today is God is with you wherever you are. He is above you to protect you and beneath you to hold you up, in front of you to lead you, behind you to encourage you, right beside you to befriend you, within you to inspire you. Go filled with the peace and the power of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. So glad you chose to worship with us this morning. If you're looking for another opportunity, you want to see what it's like uh, from the booth back there behind the scenes. They're doing a little behind the scenes thing this afternoon at one o'clock. So you want to get some lunch and come on back and see what that looks like. It might be something that you'd be interested in volunteering and help us uh, produce our, our Sunday morning experience. We'd love to have you be a part of that. So have a wonderful, wonderful day today. Thank you so much for worshiping with us. God be with you. All throughout my history Good to see you <laughs> Your faithfulness has walked beside me The winter storms made way for spring In every season From where I'm standing I 
Oh, oh, oh.